today on Laura Lynn and Friends. You've never seen, even in Hitler's era, even in Cambodia, even in Rwanda and other earlier genocides or, or Holocaust type settings, you've never seen a planetary um, overthrow like we're experiencing now. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It is good to be with you. Uh, Lots of fun this last weekend. I was out there with Christine Anderson, and she is fantastic. Uh, This is a woman from the EU. Um, uh, She's uh, from Germany, and she understands sort of tyranny. And she has called our prime minister out repeatedly, so I absolutely loved it. I had people watching from the Netherlands, uh, people saying hi from Australia on the video that we did, thousands of viewers, absolutely wonderful. And a little bit of drama was in there too, and I'm gonna be covering that in a future broadcast, all of it. So all is well, everyone, all is well. You know that I like to read from my father's Bible. Um, because uh, after he passed away, this became really precious to me. I, I didn't know that my dad, I, I always saw the Bible sitting right beside his chair, but I didn't know that he was underlying it from stem to stern. I, I didn't, I, you know, and I'd see him reading it, and uh, especially, you know, before his eyes got a little bit worse. And then I'd put on Bible Gateway, and I would play that out loud for him. He used to absolutely love it. So I opened the word today, and kind of it just fell to this page. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. How important is it for us to have a vision? Maybe a vision of hope that we're going to get through this. Uh, a vision of a plan of, of how we can take action at this time. And then it says this, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. I, uh, I think it's important to keep the laws that you're supposed to keep. You know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Um, I don't think it's actually <laughs> illegal to do that, but it's not a good idea. If you keep the law, especially the laws of God, you are happy. If you follow divinations and these other things, uh, gets you into some trouble there, you know, but I appreciate my dad because he definitely, definitely believed in following the laws of God. He was a good man. Um, I like to keep myself free from doing uh, things that are wrong. Um, You know, we've been accused of a lot, right? This last few years, um, three years basically of tyranny. We've been accused of being wrong, like I've got these court cases in Saskatchewan for not wearing a mask. One was, uh, two were for outdoors, not wearing a mask, gathering with more than 10 people. The other one was being indoors at a gathering and not wearing a mask. So dealing with all of that. So apparently, you know, kind of crazy. You don't, you know, if you want to go to church during COVID, that was a problem. We see what Pastor Archer Pulowski, my good friend, uh, Pavlovsky, I need to say his name right, um, is going through. And he is getting his uh, final sentencing in May. And so please continue to pray for him and his family. I want to look at a couple things. Um, so uh, my favorite one is Bill Maher on natural immunity. Um, he is blaming the liberal MSM for disturbing bad information to the public. And I just wonder at what point is everyone going to be held responsible for what they did not report on. Take a look. As I saw in the paper today, kind of a big story, I think. I wonder how much it's going to get covered in the liberal media because it's about how natural immunity, they did a giant study, 65 countries, or maybe 
something like 65 countries, many, many different studies. They looked at them all. Natural immunity, as good or better than the vaccine. Something I've been saying since the beginning, and I get called an anti-vaxxer. That's not an anti-vaxxer. This is the kind of thing, I, you know, my problem with the media from both sides is not that you, you guys lie. It's that you tell me your side of the story that you want me to know. You don't tell me the whole story. I'd be curious as to how much play this story gets, because I, I, I remember reading that they did a study of Republicans versus Democrats. The question was, what percentage, this is like a year and a half ago, what percentage of people who get COVID require hospitalization? The answer is less than 1%. Almost half of Democrats thought it was over 50%. They listened to your network. Where do they get that kind of information? That was you to, to you. That was clear. That's bad information they have in their head, and it's from one. Mm. You know, people like Bill Maher being so courageous as to really talk about this, he is politically incorrect. And I like that about him. I don't always agree with everything he says. So I think it's all coming out. Uh, we've got some tweets going up today from uh, some folks we've been interviewing that have extreme uh, credentials, medical credentials that have let them know um, the truth about all of that. So um, the post-millennial, a Canadian woman in Ontario who has gone back to living as a woman is suing the healthcare providers who allegedly, what, you don't have that? Oh, okay. So, well, it would be good. Do you know what, JT? Let me help you out there, bud, because uh, I got it. <laughs> All right, put it up here. There we go. You got my share. Woman who lost breasts, uterus to sex change, sues doctors, mental health providers who facilitated her transition. The defendants permitted Michelle to self-diagnose as transgender and prescribe her own treatment without providing a differential diagnosis or proposing alternative treatments, reads the claim filed in Ontario. You know this is going to happen, and you know this is going to begin happening actually more and more and more. Um, I think that uh, the outcomes are not good. And that's why many doctors have left Tavistock. Uh, the Tavistock Clinic actually shut down um, in the UK because the outcomes were so terrible and they had to go to a different method. Um, you can see this is coming because people are being allowed to just say, I'm transgender, I want to remove my breasts. Oh, I want my, you know, for, for a dude, you know, his... Uh, privates uh, to be changed into a, a vagina looking thing, which apparently never works very well. And also they lose all of their sexual, you know, feelings and ability. Um, I don't know what kind of person thinks this is a good idea. And I don't know what kind of doctor thinks, oh, this is a good outcome. Let's make, let's make your sexual organs never be able to work for the rest of your life. Yeah, let's operate on it and make you completely dysfunctional. So what's happening in light of all of that is that people are saying too much. Um, you know, you, you gave me all of this help and you did not give me the other side and now we're suing you. I love it. Now, this is not helping. The Church of England Council is considering the use of other gender pronouns for God rather than strictly male pronouns. So... You have to understand the Church of England has really, you know, they've gone off. I don't know what's happened to churches in general, not standing up for the truth, not being willing to, to say that men are men and God made men and women, and that's it. God made two different sexes. Instead, they're, <clears throat> you know, wanting to be, you know, all woke and everything. And we're seeing that in our churches, uh, churches uh, in Toronto having transgenders come in 
to read to the kids. So you've lost your ever-loving minds. You're all completely inept. Um, I, I would say that you're promoting pedophilia because it's well known that this is where we're going. The sexualization of children and for the church now to actually be allowing that, well, God help y'all. That's all I have to say. So I want to get to our guest today. Um, before we do, I'm going to have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube uh, um, just to respect their parameters. And uh, Lee Dundas is joining me. She, uh, if you have watched the show for a long time, you have seen her clips. <laughs> she is a hero to me because the woman can really roar. She roars like a lioness that she is. And uh, she is, uh, I'm just going to read this off. Uh, JT, you're putting the link to where people can follow us in the description. Only in the YouTube. On the Facebook. Go to Rumble, rumble.com. Find Laurel and Tyler Thompson. You've all been there, I hope, before. Because whenever I'm not on these platforms, I'm over there. And thousands and thousands of people are watching me on Rumble. So that's probably the best place to make sure you catch every day so that we can talk about all this stuff. Before we let you go, JT, let me just read. Lee Dundas is a human rights attorney and um, abolitionist dedicated to preserving basic freedoms while also combating global injustices like child slavery and the peddling of medical tyranny disguised as progress. Lee's career spans three decades, commencing with her representation of four Fortune 500 companies in high-dollar courtroom battles, and now she works for the common man on the streets. I'll just say hi to her, and then we'll let everybody go head to rumble, head to rumble. Hello, uh, Lee Dundas. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today. Me, my dear, it's an honor to be here amongst uh, fellow equally fired up, uh, you know, citizens around the world who want to actually keep our planet free and fight back the evil powers. So thanks again for having me. You are very welcome. Um, you are uh, an absolute spitfire. I'd like to play this clip uh, where you are, you're given it. I don't know where you are. Maybe you can tell us after the clip, but uh, you're just letting the world have it. And so do you got that clip ready? This is Lee Dundas. Human rights attorney Lee Dundas. Some years ago, two men sat at a table discussing the most effective way to usher in war. Their decision after discussion was to close non-essential businesses and further quarantine certain members of society to prevent the spread of disease known as typhus. These men's names, Joseph Goebbels and Adolf Hitler. You think you're special. I am here to tell you, you are not. You are the new Fourth Reich, and I have news for you today. We will not be locking down or taking funding over RSV, which 90% of children contract before the age of two, and only 100 to 500 a year die, which is a 0.00004728132813 death rate. It is four one millionths of a percent. Let me add a little bit here. Your whole meeting today was unlawful under the COVID section, sorry, the government sections, our governor's executive order that allowed you to suspend notice of meeting was specific to COVID and your agenda item is specific to respiratory syncytial virus. Therefore, under the government code, you are still bound to notice requirements. An emergency under the government code section is defined as crippling activity or other activity which severely impairs public health and safety. And let me tell you folks, a 0 0.00004781 4% death rate is nowhere near an emergency. You will not 
get more blood money into this county. You will not get more state or federal funding for our hospitals. This is not an emergency. To do so is fraud. You will not mask us like she just talked about doing. You will not quarantine the well or the sick. You will not keep our kids out of school. And damn right, you're not going to cripple our businesses anymore. Do you hear me? We will never lock down again. This is the hill we die on because this is America. This is the Constitution of America. And this is freaking freedom. Never again. Yay. <laughs> I love you, Lee. I love you. Nobody can say it like you. And, and no ums or ahs or pauses or missteps. Unbelievable. So where where was that? Uh, that was here in Orange County, California, my home county in the state of California. And that was, I think, November 2nd, give or take a couple, couple months ago now. Um, they had given us no notice, you know, by law, at least in America, in most jurisdictions, when you have a public meeting and your elected officials are, are going to meet to decide a public issue, you have to give notice to the people so they can come and democratically you know, say their piece or object to whatever you might be doing, or at least know about what you're doing. And they had waived notice. They said they didn't have to give notice because our governor had made it be because of the state of emergency that you didn't have to give notice anymore. So I called them out on it. I said, yo, 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 he waived notice on COVID BS. And you're talking about RSV, which is a whole separate can of fish, kettle of worms, whatever you want to call it. So you couldn't just waive notice. I mean, Despite the fact that I found out about the meeting at like 6 p.m. the night prior, we still managed to get a, a fair number of concerned citizens to show up. And what they had on the agenda this November is they were planning on doing a second lockdown, a second state of emergency for Orange County over RSV virus. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm married to one. And I hopped on Google and I Googled RSV and I'm like, wow, really? 90% of kids get RSV before the age of two and they all survive like the death rates 0.000004782213. Like this is in no sense of the word, no lawyer that I even know, whether on the side of the angels or Satan could even with a straight freaking face, make the argument that a four one millionth of 1% death rate constitutes an emergency that we have to like procure funding for and start to start to lock down again, particularly because we were still in the middle of our first state of emergency like they never got rid of that state of emergency here in california so we're still in the middle of our COVID emergency and i'm like yeah you know i was on to you two years ago but now the whole damn world's on to you and this is is this is the hill we're going to die on and it was interesting because i think we were the first county one of the first if not the first county or jurisdiction in the world that the powers that be decided they were going to try to push a second state of emergency over another, a different virus. And I think they were testing the waters. And I think they do it in Orange County because we're a heavily conservative county. There's lots of conservative counties in California, but like there's ones up by the Oregon border that have like five people and 10 sheep in them. So that doesn't really tell you anything if you can force a bad idea into a county that has no people in it. It's very, very uh, <clears throat> determinative. If you can take a large conservative county like Orange County that has over 3 million people and get them to sign off on the newest round of tyranny. So we fought back. Um, we didn't get them to not do it that week. They actually did vote in the second state of emergency. But the very next meeting, two weeks later, they got rid of it. And in the intervening time frame, I had taken a clip of my statement in front of the board and I dropped it on Facebook where I'm heavily censored um, and I'm not really on any of the other media platforms. But within about 48 hours, Orlin, it had gone viral to Zimbabwe, Croatia, uh, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. I was getting I was getting. 
people from around the world sharing it and weighing in on it on my feed. And I was like, okay, this is a sign to the powers that be that the world is not ready for whatever BS they have teed up for us. And I think that's why they do it. They're looking to see what kind of pushback they get, not just in my county, but whether the world is ready to turn a blind eye to it or whether they're going to fight it. And uh, the fact that it was gaining traction in, in foreign countries and foreign jurisdictions, I think was a very telling statement um, that let them know that we're, we're not doing this again. You know, we're just, we're just not doing it. And so they did away with the bad plan at the following meeting. We're, we're no longer under an RSV BS state of emergency that is not a deadly virus um, by any sense of the word. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't do math and science to save my life. You wouldn't want to see me try to do my own taxes. But um, but yeah, on a microphone, if I've had enough sleep and I have a, a second to gather my thoughts, You're yeah, fired. you know, that's, that, 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 that's where I can bring it usually. I love it. So, so you've watched everything that they've done and worldwide, uh, not, not just in your county there. Uh, and, and you've been traveling, you've been at Reawaken, you've been speaking to large crowds. Basically, we all know that they have really pulled a fast one. As you look back with, with the benefit of 2020 hindsight vision, uh, what is it that you feel they were trying to accomplish? Is this part of a much grander scheme? Do you think they're going to try it again? Hundred percent. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, people like you and me were probably quite a bit ahead of the bell curve. I can remember in April, I think it was, of 2020, we had organized a rally at our state capitol. I was standing on the back end of a, a truck bed, pickup truck or a platform truck, uh, with a microphone, calling it out, saying, "I, I literally said, what did I say? That we were on a bullet train to Auschwitz if we did not course correct." And I had. You know, I mean, even people on our side of the fence now were like, okay, Lee, that was a little hyperbolic. And don't you think you're, you know, kind of, kind of rushing to judgment there? I mean, there is a virus. And, but, you know, I work in foreign countries where they do these false flag events all the time, where they've had genocides in the length of time you and I have been alive. I mean, I do a lot of work in Thailand and Cambodia. Cambodia had a, a genocide that killed one quarter of their population under the direction of Pol Pot and his Khmer Rouge Red Army minions in 1978. I mean, I was like five years old, right? So a lot of these countries are a little more uh, savvy at, you know, the, the, the bleeding leading edge of these false flag events and these encroaches and tyrannical attempts. And so I live in that fishbowl. I live in places that are having wars. I live in places where radical jihadis are exploding bombs 330 days out of a 365 day year at my back doorstep in brothel towns, you know. So that leaves you with a very well-tuned sense of danger and a good BS detector. So from the jump, I was saying literally a couple of weeks in, I believed that we were headed toward a second Holocaust if we did not course correct. And of course, three years hence, people like me and you and all the other people who were awake early, hard and sounding the alarm from every single rooftop we could crawl on top of have been justified now. I mean, lots of people who were in the movable middle and, um, reserving judgment to see if this was really a scary virus or if this was a false flag event by which to eviscerate our freedoms and take away our rights to travel, breathe oxygen, send our kids out to school and get them an education have now come along to our side. Do I think they're going to do it again? Yeah. And they're telegraphing it daily in places like California and probably in, in Canada where you're from. Um, you know, tyranny is not taking a pause. They've, they've lightened up a bit 
but that is people need to not be fooled by that. That is a very um, time honored psychological trick. You you put the yoke on. It's it's the abusive wife syndrome, right? The the guy beats her up, and the next day he brings her flowers, promises it's going to be better, things are back to normal, and then three days, three hours, three weeks later, he's back to the same old tricks. And that is what um, tyrannical governments do as well. They they put a jackboot on your neck. People fight back. They don't want, you know, to be fully outed or have a revolution on their hands. So they they let the jackboot off. They they restore some of your freedoms, but not all. You rarely get back to where you were before the first encroachment, and then they start the cycle over again. And what you're doing is it's like being caught in a riptide. If you've ever been in the ocean, you know you come up for air after a wave sucks you back, and you're swimming, and you get maybe halfway back to where you were before you got sucked out the first time, and another wave comes and pulls you yet further back, and you're swimming hard. You're you're swimming hard, but you're all this happening is you're getting consecutively further and further and further from the shore after every single wave hits. And that is the, the type of um, psychological warfare to which we need to become attuned and savvy to so it doesn't become our death knell. Wow. Um, so one of the things people are always questioning is, is this the WEF, the UN Agenda 2030? Is this global elites? Is there someone behind the people and the faces that we often see? Maybe nameless, faceless people that we still at this point don't even know. Do you believe there is a, a global takeover? Uh, or is this just the United States and Canada? Well, and other places in the world vying for this um, this tyranny and this power over us, or is there a real evil undercurrent at at play? Yeah, I uh, sorry for the uh, intrusion of my my well beloved hubby. I was losing. We were having all sorts of power and flooding. And if you see cardboard, you know, behind me on my on my drywall back there, that's I, I don't normally live in you. what looks like. Yeah, my, you know, my, my house got flooded. I've got, you know, my, my walls down to the studs because, you know, when it rains, it pours, it's not enough wow. that we're having a global tyrannical overthrow. You know, my own personal a, a dwelling is also an upheaval, but um, <laughs> hopefully the lights stay on and the phone, the phone connections stay intact for the rest of our interview. Yeah, I do think that there's a group of vested interests that are moving lockstep to perpetuate the fraud that we've seen and the evisceration of our freedoms in the name of that, you know, we're going to help you. As Ronald Reagan said, run, right? When the government shows up on your doorstep and says they're, they're there to help you run the other way. I think I'm not doing quite justice to his quote, but it was something along those lines. Uh, you've never seen, even in Hitler's era, even in Cambodia, even in Rwanda and other earlier genocides or, or Holocaust type settings, you've never seen a planetary um, overthrow like we're experiencing now. We've got big tech moving lockstep with big government moving lockstep with big pharma. Um, and yeah, they're being run by a handful of, I believe, our evildoers. Do I know every last name of everybody involved? I, I doubt I do, and I doubt anybody ever will. Um, the people who pull the puppet strings are pulling puppet strings precisely because they don't want their name and face bandied about, and they don't want their families under fire when the winds uh, of, of freedom finally gather force, right? So I'm sure they're behind the scenes, but you can't, you know, if people aren't familiar with um, Project Mockingbird, they should they should get familiar with it. That was a CIA, this is not Mother Earth News and, you know, right-wing BS conspiracy theory stuff. This was a CIA program 
um, that the CIA launched in the early 50s, if I'm recalling the facts right, where they put CIA agents into print and broadcast journalist media outlets. And by the same token, they recruited existing anchors and, you know, print journalists and broadcast folks into the CIA. So they were planting people and they were recruiting people. And the idea was to have a free flow exchange of information and a nice channel grooved in by which they could control the media and the narrative. And what you saw when George Bush Sr. took over the CIA is he backpedaled and he said, well, we, we're we not paying, because they were paying journalists to do their bidding at the time. Um, and they said, the, he said, the CIA is no longer paying people to do that. He never said, we're not doing it. He just said, we're not paying people to do it. And there was an entire congressional inquiry led by a senator um, in the late 70s, I'm blanking on his name now, as to all of these CIA programs, Operation Mockingbird, Operation uh, Project Naomi. They had devised a dart gun, short-barreled what looked like a dart gun with a shellfish toxin on an arrow, if you will, that was the size of a width of hair and only like the size of your fingernail long. And they could shoot it 250 feet, completely silent. And it would hit its target and you would be paralyzed instantaneously along with your lungs and die and it would be untraceable. And the, and the senator actually held the gun up and was like, what the heck is the CIA doing in the same set of hearings that he uh, he pulled apart the Operation Mockingbird thing? And all of us Americans, you know, four decades later or six decades later are going, oh, you know, it, you know, Anderson Cooper and, you know, CNN and, and MSNBC, all their news anchors couldn't possibly be reading off of a script. Well, I got news for you. I, I, I airplayed it at a Clay Clark event where you have 50 different anchors taking, you know, the same set of words across the screen from Maine to Toledo to Texas to California, and they're all saying the ex- not they're talking about the same uh, current event. That's to be expected. You get a train derailment, you get a hostage Iran Contra affair, you get an airplane being held hostage. Of course, it's going to make primetime news coast to coast and, and around the world. I am talking, they are saying the exact same noun, verbs, and prepositions on the exact same script, and their mouths are all doing it in an echo chamber. You can't look at that going on in today's world, in 2022, and say they're not reading from a script. And so the question is not whether they're reading from a script, it's whose script and why. They're trying to brainwash us, and they did a, a damn good job in, in the beginning of 2020 in getting a lot of folks who weren't savvy to what was going on to, to sign away their rights, to agree to stay inside over something that was no more fatal than the average flu, uh, to agree to let their children not be educated for years, to close down their churches, to arrest pastors who already paid their dues thank you very much, in Poland, like Arthur Pulaski. I didn't know that man from Adam. I got served a Facebook clip of him going, out, out, you damn Nazis, out, you get out of my church, and walking him backward down the stairs through sheer force of willpower and his ability to channel God in his own knowing and his own certainty that this was the beginning of another Holocaust and get those people off his property and out of his church and then get arrested, what, not once but twice? I don't even know how many criminal charges he's got against him now. He was right. And the people who escaped communism once already have been screaming about it, and we would be well served to listen to people like that. You are so right. Absolutely. And uh, Archer's a dear friend, and he is standing strong. And uh, we, we, we hope for his vindication but in Canada, I don't know if we're, 
really seeing true justice. So you would understand that being a lawyer. Uh, one of the things going on in the United States has been all of this hidden video from the infamous uh, insurrection, as they might like to call it, of January 6th. And Tucker just um, sort of did a, a little blurb on it. And I wanted to play that and then uh, get your feedback on it, if that would be all right. So for sure. really more than two years now, we've been complaining about, and we think it's justified, the fact that the U.S. Congress has held thousands, tens of thousands of hours of closed-circuit camera footage from the public. They have not released any of it um, from January 6th. And January 6th, of course, is a transformative event in this country. It's been used to change the country. So there are about 44,000 hours. Uh, and we have, you may have read this today, been granted access to that. And we believe that access is unfettered. We believe we have secured the right to see whatever we want to see. Um, so we've been there about a week. Our producers, some of our smartest producers have been there. Uh, looking at this stuff and trying to figure out what it means and how it contradicts or not the story that we've been told for more than two years. We think already that in some ways it does contradict that story. And so we're going to spend the rest of this week taking a look at it, assessing it as honestly as we can, and we're going to bring you what we find next week. So this is going to be fascinating. Uh, you know, here in Canada, our, I, I suppose, you know, they, they called it an occupation in Ottawa. And uh, we were fighting for bodily autonomy. We were fighting to, to have our body, our choice. I thought that was a thing until all of this happened. Um, and so we kind of understand some of the difficulties, but they withheld all this video that I think is largely going to show a lot of uh, freedom-loving people meandering through the Capitol because the police seem to have let them in many cases from even some of the stuff that I've seen. So uh, I am very interested in your take on all of this, being American, being up close to some of the J6ers. What, what do you think? Well, you know, I've been a lawyer for 30 years now, um, and I'm a litigator. I'm not a, a desk jockey transactional attorney who drafts wills or, you know, does corporate mergers. I I fight stuff out in, in, in courtrooms, as you might have guessed, by my propensity for, you know, grabbing microphones when offered. And you don't, you don't hide video and play cards close to your vest if you've got the winning hand, right? And so when you see that the government in our country has been not releasing footage and not sort of allowing folks to have unfettered access to the reality of what occurred on a certain day, the question becomes why? If you got nothing to hide, show your hand, right? Um, but if there were undercover detectives, my husband, I, I haven't even read the article. He showed me a, a screenshot last night of an Epoch Times article that showed an undercover Washington, D.C. policeman moving a barricade and ushering people, I don't know, either onto the grounds or into the Capitol or whatever it was. And uh, when, when you've got people doing that, those are what is, you know, in lawyer terms, we call those not good facts for your side. And um, what you should do if you're playing an honest game and you think that you still have the winning card is you make those bad facts for your side known early. Hey, you may see that this guy was doing that. Well, he was a rogue agent that's not representing, you know, if you're telling the story in front of the jury, you admit your bad facts up front before the other side gets a hold of them and absolutely excoriates you with them, right? Right. 
Um, but that's not what our government's done. And, you know, people like Pelosi and, and her crew up there, you know, not really surprising. Um, but the other thing that really, you know, if you just break this down and you go back to, you know, day one of, you know, real property and tort law that, that we all, you know, have to walk through as first year law students, which for me was 1991. I mean, I can remember my law school professor saying it's not trespass when you give them permission to be there. You know, I, it, it, it's just, it, you don't need to be a freaking lawyer with initials behind your name to understand. I mean, common sense dictates that I cannot invite somebody into my living room for a Christmas party and then ask a policeman to arrest him because he's in my house. If I invited him in now, if a robber standing in my house, that's trespass and it may be breaking and entering or armed robbery or who knows what. But in, in cases like this. Um, when you consent as the occupiers who are in control of that property for people to come onto your property, you got a hell of a problem. So all of the stuff that we see where it's like, oh, they were trespassing. Well, were they? This is a national monument. There were no fences around it. And to the extent there were K-rails on some sides of it, now we've got uh, you know, people who worked for that government, i.e., you know, municipalities, police forces, moving it aside and saying, come on in. Uh, you know, to me, it's an open and shut case, but that's assuming you're you're standing in a constitutional republic with an actual working judiciary and 12 unbiased people in the jury. Query whether we have that. Right. And then that's part of the problem because the propaganda has been so extensive uh, to, to one side. Yeah. You only ever see you know, what mainstream media wants to let out. So it is an uphill battle. And I'm shocked yeah. at the, um, the the black and white and how, um, you know, mainstream is not covering a lot of things, like it's not covering the, the vaccine injuries. This is, I, be, I believe, crimes against humanity. It is one day somebody has to be held accountable that with all of the excess deaths we now have, with all of the myocarditis and everything coming out, where where is legacy media to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really, really good question. Um, we've got absolutely tons and tons. Sorry, I'm looking for a quote right now. If you see me not making great eye contact with the camera, um, we've got tons and tons of data showing that that vaccine was not all that in a bag of chips. Um, we've got, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens upon hundreds upon thousands upon now millions of people who were injured by shockingly an experimental medical protocol that's not FDA approved and killed every last ferret in every trial they ever did in the animal studies for the last 30 years whenever they tried to develop a coronavirus vaccine. And you've got multi-billion dollar companies who were pushing that vaccine who have time and time again, as my friend Bobby Kennedy is fond of saying, been held accountable in courts of law to the tune of multi-billion dollar punitive damages judgments for what? Oh, defrauding the American public and not and not making known that their product that they had produced was, uh, you know, was a was a bad thing. Had problems with it. Should have been recalled. So I don't know where my where my uh, post went. I was looking for a Facebook post. It appears they scrubbed it literally in the time that since you and I started this podcast and just now. Um, but it was a Rasmussen pool. I don't know if you've seen it, poll rather, that came out a couple of weeks ago and I posted it on my timeline. Um, and it's it it interviewed a bunch of people, um, thousands and thousands of people, and. 28% of them said that they believed they knew somebody who had died as a result of the job. Now, 33% 
of those, like a higher percentage of the people who believed that that was the case were Democrats than Republicans. So this was not an echo chamber of people who already understood and believed and were going, oh yeah, I see the dots on the wall, but I always have for the last few years. These were people who, oh, and 71% of the people polled had already gotten the shot. So you have basically three out of four people polled having gotten, gotten the COVID shot. And a higher percentage of Democrats than Republicans, which are the lefties in our country, saying that they believe they knew somebody who had died as a direct result of the vaccine. That tells me, um, I, and I'm not shocked, by the way, that more liberals than conservatives know people who've died from the vaccine. What shocks me is they were, A, able to assess that through the brain fog that we know results from as, a, as a known side effect of these shots that makes cause and effect uh, calculations harder to to calculate. And secondly, that even if they got through that calculus, they'd be willing to admit it. Because essentially what you're doing is you're admitting that you took part in a protocol that was not only experimental but deadly, and you now have seen people die that you know as a result of it, even though you got the deadly thing. That takes a hell of a big person to come from over there all the way over here and go, yeah, I just got jabbed up with something that I now think is killing my friends and family, folks. So when you see polls like that, it tells me that we are – in the middle, if not on the winning side of a, of a massive shift of consciousness that is overtaking not just America, but all sorts of countries around the world who are going, yeah, it looks like this thing that was supposed to save us from this virus that wasn't even fatal is actually the thing that's causing the fatalities. And of course, we know that to be the case. Right. Uh, almost like a great awakening. And I think with that awakening is not only the realization of the harm of the vaccines, but also how much we've been lied to about everything. I mean, hearing that potentially the CIA and FBI or whoever was involved in the, the killing of John, um, you know, Kennedy, JFK. Right. Uh, that's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a lot of declassed dumps of documents, you know, 50, 60 years later um, that are making even the people who thought they knew reality from the third grade run through history we all had in our history books go, wow, even the stuff that I thought I knew I maybe is not settled history, as it were. And of course, so much of, of what we've been taught is not, in fact, settled history. And one of the one of the studies I love to quote is this Stanley Milgram trial. Have you ever talked about it on your show before? I don't think so. Please tell us. It's yeah. Well, yeah, if I could have one wish, it would be for everybody in the world to become familiar with this study and a couple of others, but I'll, I'll stick to Stanley Milgram for the time being. Okay. He was a Yale University professor in 1961, and he decided he was going to design an experiment to test out whether the Holocaust was the result of, you know, Hitler bad man, right? Or whether it was sort of something that was enabled and emboldened by the makeup of humankind that sort of came alongside Hitler and allowed him to do the bad deeds that, that he got done. So he designed what he built out as a memory experiment. And he advertised this psycho- psychological experiment in newspapers all around New Haven, Connecticut. And he invited people to come take part in a memory experiment. And he invited everybody, uh, college kids, 19-year-olds, homemakers, accountants, janitors, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, retirees, everybody was invited to come take part. And once they got on campus and and in his lab, he would pair people up. So you and I would be paired up. We'd be given, you know, a, a sheet of words, right? And we would be asked to memorize, uh, you know, these pairs of words. And they were arbitrary word pairings. So I was supposed to say camel, and you were supposed to say were supposed to say purple whenever I said camel, or I'd say table and you'd say cat. And after we had memorized the twenty odd whatever it was pairs of words, we were separated. 
and put into two different rooms where we could hear each other. We were mic'd up and intercommed, but we couldn't see each other. And then I would say camel and you were supposed to queue up your microphone and give me the right answer of purple. And where it became interesting is when you would give me a wrong answer and you would say table or cat instead of purple, I was supposed to push a a switch on the wall beside me that would deliver a little shock to you because you had been, um, electrodes had been placed on your arms and various parts of your body, kind of like when you go to e-stim protocols at a physical therapist, you know, to rehab a, a muscle that's pulled or something like that. So you had been electroded out and I would flip a switch that would give you a shock to negatively reinforce your wrong answer in this memory quiz. For every wrong answer you gave me, I was supposed to deliver a successively higher shock. And on the shock switchboard, it started at something like 9 or 15 volts, which is a little unpleasant. I mean, if you ever licked like a 9-volt battery as a kid, I did. I wasn't all that bright sometimes. You know, it, it makes your tongue feel weird, but it's it's not an electric chair dose of electricity by any means. And so it would start out with a, with a mild dose, like a 9-volt, 15-volt hit, and then it would go up and up and up and up and up for every wrong answer you gave me, all the way up to the last three three switches were 450 volts and underneath them they had x's underneath them and unbeknownst to me i was not actually hearing your answers i was hearing pre-recorded wrong and right answers along with pre-recorded sounds of pain once i got to the mid-range level of voltages so pretty soon i'm flipping a switch and i hear Ugh! and then you know a few down the road from that i hear ow that really hurt from the other room and then it's oh my gosh you're killing me i'm feeling my heart skip a beat i already heard i had a heart attack last year if you keep this up here you're gonna kill me and at that point the person who was actually being studied which was not you you weren't even in the damn room was me would turn to the experimenter a man in a white lab coat with doctor so-and-so written very obviously on his lapel collar or whatever and the person would say to him hey hey man i i know i said i did this experiment but I'm not comfortable continuing. My buddy in the other room is, you know, he's, he's in pain. He's, he's begging me for, for a reprieve. I, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not cool with this anymore. And for his part, the Confederate, the, the pretend doctor that was standing there in the white lab coat had been coached by Stanley Milgram to say three words. You must continue. No gun to the head. No, hey, I'm going to flip the door lock. You're not leaving here until you finish off the, the study and, and all the voltages. Just three simple words, just a little bit of verbal coercion. You got to continue. You must continue. And the question Stanley Milgram was seeking to answer is what percent of average, God-fearing, Christian, church-going, law-abiding citizens in America would flip these voltages to the final point where they would actually kill because 450 volts is a, is a fatal dose of electricity, kill their neighbor over a wrong answer on a memory quiz just because somebody in a position of power said they had to. And when he first shopped the experiment around Yale University, um, Laura Lynn, in, in the early 60s, before he'd done it, all of his colleagues in the psych department were like, dude, you're high. Like how much, how much, you know, pot have you been smoking? Like it, only the serial killers and the sadists, maybe two or 5% of the people who you pull in are going to want to kill their neighbor over a wrong answer on a memory test. The vast majority of good, good hearted Americans are going to tell you to take a hike. They're going to walk out. So when push came to shove, he did this experiment and wouldn't you know it, two out of three, 65 point, four or six percent of average law-abiding Americans would execute their neighbor with an electric chair dose of electricity just because a guy in a white lab coat said they should. 
That is the power of obedience. That is a uh, hell of a wake-up call for anybody listening, that as human beings, we are hardwired to be obedient. And that's a good thing when it's to God. And it's not such a good thing if it's 1938 Germany and somebody's telling you to bake your Jewish neighbor in an oven. And we need to recognize that we are hardwired because it was a survival mechanism in the Cro-Magnon era. I mean, you know, you hear a rustling in the bush, your 18-year-old tribal leader who's like 4% body fat's like, oh, you know, follow me, we run. And, you know, you you run away from the saber-toothed tiger or the stampeding elephants or whatever it is, and you live to see another day. And that is great. And that is how we ended up being, you know, here, like hundreds and thousands of years later, right? But But in nowadays time, you need to do a hard gut check on who is asking you to do something, why they're asking you to do it, and whether on a heart-centered basis and on a reasoning basis, you think this is a good move. And if it's not a good move, if it's unconstitutional, if it's antithetical to basic human rights, your right to travel, your right to have bodily autonomy, your right as a parent to say what's good and healthy for your child and not have them be taught pornography and how to masturbate with a carrot at age five and that there's 30 different genders when in fact there's not thank you very much you need to stand up because if you don't that is how holocaust happen and that is the message that we all have to get uh united non-compliance with stupidity and tyranny and right. i you know i don't understand it like our churches really failed us in canada they for the majority, they shut down. For the majority, they they we had the vaccinated and the unvaccinated Christmas pageant. Or could the unvaccinated please see, sit in your bubble over on the other side of the church? Like, how stupid do you have to be to have gone along with this? I mean, it was clear to, yeah. to a, a blonde like myself. I don't know how they had uh, absolutely no discernment. And there's a um, you know an epidemic of cowardice that is going on. Yeah. that's the contagion of cowardice in our countries. It is. And, you know, to your point about the churches, it was just super. We had the same thing in America. I mean, all the churches closed down except for I I can count on three fingers the ones that did not close down in Southern California. And I attend all of them, depending on which, you know, which part of L.A. I'm on on either side of on any given weekend. But um, most of these churches were Christians or followed some, you know, maybe they're not Christian, maybe they're synagogues. You've got Jesus, who we all know washed lepers feet washed various people's feet like this is a man who died on the cross who how many times does the bible say in 18 different ways or 300 different ways 365 different ways fear not you know have faith not fear some permutation of that message and we're closing over a virus that's less fatal than the flu We've got Christian churches who are supposed to be our leaders and all that is right and godly and righteous, and they're closing their doors and worse, perpetuating a second class tyranny. I mean, this was I stood before our board on another rant like the one you just ran a a few minutes ago where, you know, they were trying to do a vaccine passport. And I'm like, what the heck are you guys doing? This is like Rosa Parks. We don't do second class citizens. Black people are in second class. Kids are in second class. Handicapped are in second class. We did away with second class citizenry decades ago in America and most other first world countries. So this is like Rosa Parks meets George Orwell meets, you know, Hitler all rolled into one. Like, what are you doing trying to do vaccine passports and resegregate society? Like, have we not learned anything from any of the chapters of our history books, they didn't care. 
my board of rhinos, four out of five were Republican that day. We're like, yeah, we're just going to do a vaccine passport anyway. And I gave it to them like, like you saw a second ago, tons of other well-spoken pissed off parents and, and citizens in my county gave it to them. And they were full steam ahead. And that's when I was like, oh, you're getting funded by Soros and our gates. And of course we did the research and of course they were. Um, and that's the when I found was? a Holocaust survivor. No, the county, the county, the county, county was. Yes. And, um, but a lot of the, yeah, you got to follow the money. And a lot of the churches since that time I've discovered are taking part in human rights programs and the you know World Economic Forum, young leaders type things. Or if you if you look at George Soros and his nonprofit nonprofits to help communities, they've got all of these, you know, it's like any big company. They have shells upon shells upon shells. So you can't really see the hand that's at the top of the 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 pyramid that's calling all the shots. But a lot of these churches have bought off hook, line and sinker on these programs to help their communities that are basically, if you do the math and you pull the research, it's a Soros program. It's just 18 links on the chain removed. And so nobody can see that it is unless you hire a private eye to, 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 to dis disentangle it. But but on the county thing, they were pushing the passports so hard. Again, we were the first county hit in the world with it um, because they were getting funding from these Soros-type entities, and they didn't care what we were saying about the Holocaust. All that they did is have the LA Times write a horrible hit piece on me, quoting the Anti-Defamation League, saying, how dare I call people Nazis, you know, and, and I was like, okay, well, my family came from Eastern Europe. We already had our little run-in with Hitler. Um, but if you want to play that game, I'll go find me a Holocaust survivor who's still living to, to call you all Nazis. And I did. It took me a couple of weeks, but I found a woman by the name of Vera Sharab, and we did a 30-second TV ad where she said um, that she grew up under Hitler's regime. She spent five years as a child between age three and eight in a concentration camp. And she said, it shudders to make me think that places like Orange County, California are flirting with the idea of passports because that is how Hitler started hunting my people. And those who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. And then she gave me permission to overlay it to actual video footage of the concentration camp she was in. And on that last sentence where she said, those who don't remember history are doomed to repeat it, we had it zero in on the two ovens from Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I asked everybody who was on my side of the Mississippi, regardless of whether they were in my county or state, to come to our next board meeting. We had a couple thousand people there. And halfway through the day, our board took the microphone and said, we can no longer afford this disruption to democracy, so we're going to be abandoning the vaccine passport plan. But that is the level of ingenuity and pushback that is required by citizens banding together to, to vanquish these incredibly well-funded trillion-dollar bad evildoers, Soros, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, you know, nonprofits plans. And I, I see people are starting to do some national walkout day or national sick day or something like this to, to be, begin to be very disruptive. We're facing in Canada digital ID, and it's going to be tied to your medical and, uh, you know, Trudeau's all over this. And so the premiers are having to stand up to it. And two of the provinces have said no, but I'm in British Columbia, very liberal NDP province. And so we've got some very bad things coming down our way where we have got to have some joint uh, qu quite ominous, you know, how you battle back against, oh, you suddenly have no health care 
which we always think we have the best health care, which we don't. But you have no health care unless you're on the digital ID and we have your passport connected to your banking and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is a disaster for us right now. Well, for sure. And I mean, the way Trudeau dealt with the, the little old ladies who'd given five bucks to help fund the gasoline for the truckers a year ago. Um, I mean, you, you've already had a very clear uh, telegraphing by your government as to uh, their fearlessness in cracking down on people and tracing you by your money and criminalizing you for how you believe and how you spend your money. So a digital ID currency passport that's going to make all of this be intermingled and with the flip of a switch be able to cut you from your money um, or relegate you to not being able to enjoy commerce and, you know, child care and doctor care and all the other things that we know and love in first world countries. It is a very, very scary proposition. I'm glad to hear a couple of, um, you know, your territories or whatever you call them up there are pushing back and blanking on your name uh, for your, for your little states as they were, but um, sad, yeah. sad day that provinces, thank you. Sad day that they're not all uh, doing that. And, and the people, the people need to step up. I mean, that's what people don't understand is that we've always had the power. And the nationwide walkout down here uh, before any of our courts were holding the mandates to be unconstitutional. Finally, all of our first responders and doctors and lawyers and, you know, truckers and uh, other transport sectors of the economy and uh, aerospace and nuclear. And I mean, just it, everybody, everybody was like, we're just going to walk off the job. Good luck. Good luck having having your society be the way you're used to it. You know, you cannot force us to to fire our unvaccinated workers and you cannot force us to work in second class citizen sort of sort of schemes and that was a very clear sign you know we, we did a week-long walkout and at the end of that week on november 12th friday evening we had our first court ruling out of our federal courts out of the fifth circuit that said biden's vaccine mandate was unconstitutional and everybody was like oh yay you know the courts finally got in the game i'm like yeah the courts got in the game like they always get in the game the courts of law follow the courts of public opinion. That is how we got rid of slavery. That is how we got rid of segregation. That is how we got rid of, you know, women not having the right to vote. When finally tons of people are on the street making known peacefully. I'm not saying you're going to war. I'm not talking about a revolution. I'm saying peacefully standing on the street saying, you know what? We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to play ball with you if you continue to forward whatever tyrannical agenda is is on the top of your list today. That is when the like eight people who are running the world go, oh, I guess we're kind of outnumbered. And, you know, they they abandon their bad plan for at least a little while. Um but that is really what's required, and I, and I encourage everybody to reread in a new unit of time the Margaret Mead quote that says something along the lines of, you know, never doubt that a small group of concerned citizens can change the world, for indeed we're the only ones that ever have. Um, people think they can't make a difference, but even one person can make a difference. But for sure, for sure, when you find the other ones that are like you and you get together, that is a critical mass. That is absolutely a critical mass. And if you look at game theory and statistics, the tipping point is not 51%. I talked to the guy who invented email uh, in D.C. on a vaccine rally three years ago before COVID had hit. And he said the tipping point, we've looked at all these societal movements like the 60s and getting rid of segregation in America. It was not when 51% of the people finally agreed that blacks should be treated as equals. It was when 3.5% agreed. That's your tipping point. And I said, what? You know, I'm not a math girl. So I was like, really? Three and a half percent is your majority? And he goes, yeah, even though by the numbers, it's not a majority. But because it has the appearance, when you get to three and a half percent of a society and they're vocal and they're willing to stand firm, 
it has the appearance of a majority, that is when tyranny takes a walk. And I was like, wow, that's cool to know because we're there. We're, we're, if we're not there yet, we're getting there. I mean, a lot of people are waking up and that is, that is the good news. I mean, 42% of self-identified Democrats in my country are listening to Tucker and Hannity. 90% of people who used to watch CNN are watching you, Laura Lynn, and all your friends. Like, this is a win. Everybody is waking up to the fact that the media is controlled. Big tech is yanking our chain. Pharma is nobody's angel. They're not going to save you. They may well kill you. And that is the message that is finally making its way into the middle classes and across middle America and the rest of middle everywhere across the world. And uh, thank God for it because we're awfully close to a, to a very precipitous fall otherwise. Amazing. Uh, that, that's actually so encouraging. Um, before I let you go, I'm just so grateful for your time, but we're watching what's happening with East Palestine um, and in, in Ohio and just the shocking um, actions of lighting all of that fluid on fire. And now these people are, you know, having to leave or, or they're, they're still there and we don't understand why they're still there. My husband and I were thinking, well, they don't have money, so they can't get a hotel 100 miles away. I don't know, but this is such a bad thing that just happened. It's horrible. Um, little known fact about Lee Dundas, I spent the first decade of my legal career uh, at a very large firm. We represented only five, Fortune 500 companies, and my office was right next door to the one environmental law partner in my firm. And so whenever, uh, you know, he would come out, he uh, on his way to the bathroom, on his way to the kitchen to get a snack, on his way to the elevator to go, to go down to his car at the end of the day or for lunch, he, my door was the first door on his right side. So whenever he had work, it was knock, knock and here. And I'm like, I'm not a math and science major. I don't want to do environmental law. Well, but you have, you know, proximity to my office and do it anyway. So despite my never wanting to grow up and be an environmental lawyer, um, I actually worked for uh, corporate polluters. Those were our clients. When you're at a big firm and you do environmental law, Greenpeace is not your client. They don't have the money to pay a thousand dollars an hour to lawyers. So you're representing, you know, um, the people who, you know, play um, a game of chicken with with um, large oil tankers that then pollute an ocean. <laughs> Just those kinds of people that they, they were not my client, but those types of, of corporations are your clients. And I can tell you, having represented uh, folks in Superfund sites and folks that used chemicals that allegedly were later on down the line held to have contaminated groundwater uh, or soil or caused, you know, health effects uh, that created glioblastomas, which are nasty brain tumors that kill little kids. Um, I can tell you, having represented the bad guys, which caused no amount of a small amount of cognitive dissonance on my part, because I'm a save the whale, hug a tree kind of girl. Um, you don't want to light toxic shit on fire. Pardon my French. And you don't need to be an environmental lawyer to know that's a bad move. And so when everybody's like, I can't understand why they did it, I'm like, it makes perfect sense. This is a genocide. Everything they've done for the last three years makes absolute perfect sense if you assume that they're behaving like Hitler did. And they're trying to kill people, rushing to judgment with the vaccines, mandating it, even though they're not allowed to mandate experimental products, forcing people out of their jobs, even though it's completely unconstitutional, keeping our kids out of school, uh, making them be socially distanced when social distancing is well known by the CIA because they commissioned a study on it in 1951 to be more effective at brainwashing people and causing them to uh, blow their brains out than any amount of physical torture, emotional torture or food deprivation or sleep deprivation. You want to screw somebody up? You 
you don't need to waterboard them or have blood on your hands. You just need to lock them in a room. CIA and all the off off the letter, you know, grid agencies, they don't get their hands dirty anymore. They just lock them in a room. Social isolation, far more effective at destroying somebody emotionally than any other thing known to man. But why were they keeping our kids out of school? Why were the kids having to be on one of these devices talking to a screen seven, eight, nine hours a day? Because it wasn't just their seven hour school day. It was five hours of AP honors homework like my daughter had. So it was a 12 hour day being umbilically attached to a screen. What does that do? We know if you have ever studied neuroscience, we know that within 30 or 90 seconds, something like that, of watching a flickering ray, a cathode ray tube, whether it's TV, whether it's my cell phone, whether it's a computer monitor, whether it's anything that's a screen, it shuts off your frontal lobes. What do your frontal lobes do? Oh, yeah, those are the ones responsible for thinking. So the worst thing you could do is try to learn online. You could have the same teacher doing a recorded version of the same thing, and the people who are in her class, watching her nonverbals, hearing her live, will have a time and again, time and again, they've done the studies, better test results than the kids who watch that same lecture remote. Because online learning shuts your brain off. Why were they doing this? Well, you know, I'll take $200, the first column in Jeopardy, because that way we could have 12-year-olds, I actually think the kid was 11, blowing his brains out a week before Christmas in Fresno or somewhere in my state, because we had rendered an entire universe of the people who will inherit the earth, dumb, blind, mute, unable to speak because they couldn't see our mouths behind our masks, and ready to blow their own brains out. And if their parents weren't going to do it for them, they'd take matter into their own hands. Doesn't make sense if you're a good-hearted American. Makes perfect freaking sense if you're Klaus Schwab. And what do we see in Ohio now that they have absolutely beaten and flogged the dead horse, dead their back and then some on the whole virus thing? And they tried a second virus and Lee Dundas and all her friends shot him down November 2nd, three months ago. Oh, the virus chapter isn't going to work this year. They're on to us. Let's release aliens, strange white balloons, and environmental disasters. And let's, for their own good... A, a, a statement that should make you cringe whenever you hear it. Um, for their own good, we're going to light it on fire so it doesn't contaminate ground soil. Right. Yeah. So you've turned it into a gas that now has, a, I don't even know, like Chernobyl radius. And everybody who's anybody is inhaling this carcinogenic irritant gas molecular structure that has been released into our atmosphere and is blowing whichever way the winds are blowing on any given day and polluting the entire downriver Ohio River Valley system, which is, you know, home to all of our Amish, all of our cattle, all of our food sources and all of our water sources for most of America. Can't understand it unless you're trying to get a genocide going on, in which case it makes perfect sense. Right. And do you really think that's what's happening, a genocide? Because I yep. I think the world's beginning to wake up. Something's wrong. It's not just that train that derailed, but in, in the same week, it was like four trains and a truck turned over with all of this stuff. Uh, like right. something's going wrong and our food factories yeah. blowing up, hydroxychloroquine right. factories blowing up, you know, what? Right. Yeah. There's a word for it. It's statistically impossible, as was the 2020 election. When you look at... Uh, all of these downriver, you know, down ballot people getting votes, but not the president. When you look at just the eight counties in the certain, you know, tipping point states and all of them having all of these strange variables, you know, the, the, the people I know who teach statistics at Stanford, MIT, Harvard were calling me triple quadruple PhD guys and going, the odds of this happening are one in a quadrillion. I'm like, how many zeros after the first set of commas is that again? They're like, yeah, you don't want to know. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't do math that well. 
But the, the word for it is it's statistically impossible unless it's being engineered, in which case it makes perfect sense and it starts to become eminently understandable. And the marching orders, if you're taking a cue from your environment, um, become, wow, how am I going to secure clean water, good food, and hold back tyranny so that the children, such as they are, confused about their gender, not understanding how to pronounce words because they were missing, you know, 90% of their nonverbal feedback at age two for two or three years in these liberal crazy states and provinces in the first world. Um, these poor children who are going to, you know, inherit the earth after we've done worse to them than we do to CIA Gitmo prisoners, how are we going to leave them in a better position and not have this turn into a planetary-wide holocaust? And the answer is very, very simple. We don't need to become disheartened by it in the least. You just band together with your like-minded people, of which 80% of the world are generally good-hearted, not crazy people. They may not be awake, but they're not sane. They're, they're good-hearted people, and people who know more do better. That is another stable point with which to calibrate your true north. People who know more do better. Think about it in your own history. When you suddenly understood how things worked at your company, you were able to navigate it that much better. When you suddenly understood that red dye made your kid have a migraine, you just didn't let him eat Skittles anymore and he had no more migraines. I mean, you can think of countless times in your life without knowing the stable operating basis of times you've applied this piece of data to your advantage. And I believe that is how we're going to get there. When people know more, they do better and they will fight for what is right peacefully fight for what is right by simple, you know, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr. stuff where, you know what, we're going to sit down, we're going to Rosa Parks it, we're going to belly up to the bar, black, white, red, yellow, Martian, alien, whatever, and say, I have a right to get a burger and a Coke. No, I'm not sitting at the back of the bus. No, you're not, you know, going to fire me because I decided to not do a shot or did do a shot or didn't take a diabetes med or did take a diabetes med. Um, that is how we win this war, and we are definitely, definitely getting there. But we need to view all of the events that are happening worldwide, be it something that's going on in Thailand or China or something that's going on in Ohio, whether it's an environmental thing, whether it's in our sky, whether it's in our electoral system, whether it's in our vaccines and our big pharma, uh, you know, dribble. We need to view it with a critical eye. And from the Stanley Milgram experiment, which is, am I going to be obedient just because somebody sold me a bill of goods that I haven't actually researched? Don't say 100%. yes just to say yes. You know, you can't, you cannot assume that anybody has your best interest at heart. The only person who has your best interest at heart is you. Right. Well, Do not allow third parties to, 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 to set your true north or set your family's moral compass or your own moral compass. Sorry, I'll stop talking now. Uh, some sort of uh, uh, echo is coming from another way. But I would like to put up this, uh, well, U.S. teen girls experienced increased sadness and violence. I mean, it's also the emotional problem that's going on. Uh, um, the CDC has just put this out uh, February 13th that uh, it raises urgency to invest in schools as a vital lifeline to help struggling youth. Well, I mean, the, the schools have screwed all the kids up to begin with, so that's stupid. The CDC, oh, kids are experiencing sadness and violence um, at, in, in you know, untold amounts, so we're going to ask the schools to fix it. The, the schools have got uh, pedophilic 
books, you know, all over the place and they're teaching kids about critical race theory and, oh, be confused about your gender because that'll be helpful. Um, no wonder yeah. kids are in such a mess. 100%. You can't, you cannot let the fox guard the hen house and you cannot let the folks who created the problem try to solve the problem. Um, they're just making more business for themselves. This is not shocking. We kept our, our kids, except for like Florida in our country, all of our kids were out of school for months and then years in America and socially isolated from their peers. And I went chapter and verse to my local school district, my, my daughter's principal at high school, and then I sent it to the school district, and then I sent it to the statewide superintendent and everywhere else, and I told everybody, hey, you don't need to write your own letter. I've already done all the research for you. Just block and copy my letter. It's on my website. We knew that there was going to be an increase in speech pathology issues. We knew there was going to be an increase in suicide, depression, and all of these other uh, uh, sins and sad uh, health sequelae that are downriver of social isolation. Social isolation is a CIA technique we deploy against our worst enemies. And we did it to our kids. And yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at, I, I don't think I already quoted it. Social isolation is the equivalent of smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic. And it destroys the ventral striatum, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for, guess what, two things, learning, capacity, and loving. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And what I said in April of 2020 is you would be better off sending your kid to school with a fifth of Jack Daniels, a pack and a half of cigarettes, and a freaking ice pick to do a frontal lobotomy. They would walk away from this situation better than they're going to walk away from it by allowing our boards of ed to do what they are trying to do. And now, oh, now 35 and a half months later, we've got the CDC saying, oh my gosh, we have an epidemic of teen suicide and teen girls being sad and bulimic and whatever. Yeah, you do. And anybody with a brain who knew the, who knew the anatomy of the brain and had studied CIA, you know, psyops techniques predicted it. I did in writing. And it's, uh, sorry, I, I know I'm on a soapbox. I know I'm screaming at the people who are already in my choir, but I just, I'm just horrified because I've spent the last 10 years saving children from bombed out brothel towns who are being raped 10 times a night for profit by pedophiles. And really, this is the best the first world countries are going to do for the people who are going to inherit the planet we leave them. Like, how dare uh, you want to you want to do yourself in because you didn't research the damn jab. You want to you want to go smoke and drink and go to a porn club. Great, buddy. You do you. I think it's stupid. I'll tell you that to your face. But this is America and you have free will. And I don't need to tell you what you do. And you just don't tell me that I have to do that. But when you do that to your kid. Or when you let these evil powers do that to your kid, because you suffered a crisis of confidence and cowardice issues, and you let your children be sold out on the altar of the almighty greedy dollar of pharma or tech or, you know, these boards of ed that are taking blood money from Soros organizations, how dare you? How dare you? You didn't just hurt yourself, with which I could be kind of okay with. You hurt another person who did not have the ability legally or or emotionally to speak for themselves and that is i'm sorry that is the biggest sin of all and the bible tells us so it really is it really is we're supposed to expose uh the evil works of darkness we're supposed to stand up against all of it we have not uh we're hopefully hopefully yeah. getting there slowly slowly we um, are 
My final uh, subject and question for you that I'd like to cover is this um, ineptness of Biden. It's such an embarrassment, but I think what we're beginning to be a little bit worried about is that his ineptness is putting all of North America at risk of a war because, uh, you know, uh, we've got the, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine and the Ukraine guy is saying, well, you know, if Russia and China get together, then we're going to have a war, but they already are colluding. They already are together. And Biden looks completely incapable of making a good decision and that he's bought off or something. And so the, the Democrats are stupid as well as evil because they, they didn't even get a good leader that could convince right. the people that, that we could trust him. Like Biden's well, so bad that nobody trusts him at all. Even some of the Democrats yeah. just bailing. Even even the people who voted for him now, I, which which may be a saving grace for us, as they realize the error of their ways in electing him. But we, we got exactly what they orchestrated. They didn't want a strong, competent leader in there who was who could make up his own mind. Um, the powers that be wanted a puppet, and China wanted a puppet. And all you have to do is look at the Hunter Biden laptop and all the Biden ties to Ukraine and China. I mean. We, we know that he is a puppet of foreign interests and anybody who's even read a paragraph on that understands the lay of the land there. Um, and he looks incompetent to your point because he is incompetent. This is a man who is sundowning, not even at the end of the day, but all day and has been since, since the time that he was, you know, running around in his, well, he, he never really did run around since the time he was campaigning from his basement um, or, or having, you know, uh, debates with, with, with Trump. And that's a problem. This is the leader of the free world as goes America. So goes the world. And we have a guy who literally, Laura Lynn, if I were in charge of putting this man on the witness stand as an attorney, I would not in good faith be able to present him as a witness because he is not sound. He is not competent. Like I would, I would, I would, if I had to, I wouldn't. And if the other people did, I would make a motion to not have his testimony be admitted because he is not mentally competent. He does not meet the courtroom criteria, the case law criteria in most jurisdictions for competency. And yet he's, he's going to last two years. To, to um, probably not. If I, I don't know if I had to guess, I don't, I mean, if they want him to, he will. You know, they'll feed him full of uppers and have him have moments of lucidity. Um, but I'm guessing because of what we're seeing come out that they feel like they're, they've got what they needed from him and they're going to pull some new fast one. What exactly it might be, I'm not exactly sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't ride out his full term. Um, and, you know, God help us because the people who are behind him are not any better. I mean... Uh, Javier Becerra, who's in charge of Health and Human Services right now, came out of Cali. Uh, Kamala Harris is out of Cali. And I can tell you that both of those people are um, as dangerous as Biden from a political perspective and more so because they can actually think for themselves and their loose cannons and their bot from all appearances. From I don't know that. Um, I assume from the way they're operating and, and yes. you know, who their husbands are and what money they take and all, who their who their supporters are on the campaign trail, we can assume that they're compromised. But yeah, it's, it's really, really, really frightening. But um, that said, there are good things on the horizon. I forgot to tell you before we um, yeah. started the, the, the recording today, you know, a lot of people are building... Um, um, and there's a lot of billionaires on our side. We, we have our own sources and they're starting to come out of the woodwork because guess what? They have kids like we do and they don't want their kids living in a North Korea or a FEMA camp any more than the average blue collar, white collar worker does. So 
these people, it's taken a minute because we were behind the eight ball. We didn't know what they were going to plan and launch on us in 2020, but we're starting to build new systems, right? And um, you're seeing it in healthcare. You know, there's actually uh, facilities now in, in America that are actually doing healthcare and not sickness care and actually saying, no, they're not going to take insurance dollars because they don't want to be controlled with the remdesivir protocols and, and whatnot. And I think that's beautiful. It needs to happen. It is happening. We just need to hang tight for it to continue to happen. Or if you've got the resources or the talent or the skill sets, you're a doctor, you're an IT guy, you know how to build these platforms out, go get in the fight and help us get these things off the ground. But one of the most exciting things um, that is going on is uh, a sort of patriotic version of Amazon, if you will. Um, there's a company called Noblis. It's spelled N-O-B-L-E-U-S, like Noble Us or Noble US. Um, Noblis.com. And it is an e-commerce platform, uh, super simple to use. My co-founder and I created it specifically to save America. We're not looking to open a flagship store and say, oh, you know, my co-founder and I are died in the wool patriots. And instead of spending your dollars funding, you know, Nike and Amazon and Walmart and Target and all these lefty libtard companies that are using your dollars to basically, you know, do bad things by you and your kids, fund patriots and make us rich. That's not the point. This is, yes, take your, your, your shopping dollars away from the left, but use it to refund yourselves. So it enables the average anybody, influencer like you, Lorlin, mom, paw guy, uh, doctor, first responder who got laid off from his hospital or his EMT company, they can open their own store. You simply download the app, say, I want a store. This is what I want my store's name to be, Cousin Eddie's you know, Patriot store or, you know, Mama Jolene's Patriot, whatever your store is going to be called. You put that in as your desired URL. Um, you put your bank account information in, you give us your email and literally like two, three minutes later, uh, you are now an online store owner and you will have access to a fully populated online store that has everything that you would ever want to sell to your friends and family on it from, you know, Red Hill flour, the, the organic flour we buy at Whole Foods and Sprouts down here, um, to backpacks, to pet food, to, uh, you know, tactical gear, to just anything, like anything and everything that you and I shop for, you can buy from yourself and all you have to do is tell your friends and family when you're at parties or at church or standing in line at the PTA gaggle, hey, instead of doing your Christmas shopping with Amazon this this you know month, do it from my store. Here's the name of my store. Um, and when they shop at your store, every week you will get a dump into your bank account of 70% of the net profits of goods that were sold on your store. And it's not a multi-level thing, but if somebody, one of your friends goes, wow, that's amazing. So happy that you're buying your own stuff at your store and making money, you know, side hustle or in, in fact, an income replacement hustle. I want to do what you did. If they sign up underneath you, you get a 5% override on their net profits as well. It doesn't go multi-levels deep. It's just the one level down, um, but it's just sort of a referral bonus for you spreading the word to other people to have their own stores. And in this manner, we believe that we are going to go straight up and vertical, certainly if uh, willpower um, and technology capabilities have anything to do with it. And I mentioned this at the Clay Clark event. It was the last one of the year. It was in Branson in November. That's it. And um, there were maybe a thousand people left in the audience that night. Laura Lynn Clay had me on at like 730. It was kind of late in the day. Um, it was only a 3,000 person menu, maybe thousand people left. Literally, I told people, you should people should rewatch my spiel. I explained 
we're going to be in communist China if we keep using our dollars incorrectly. We're funding our enemy. You may as well hand a hatchet to Pol Pot to axe your baby. You may as well hand a bullet to Hitler to shoot your kid. We need to quit shopping with companies that are killing us. They're using their profits to hurt us. And every dollar you spend, you can use intentionally and you can use it in a way that is going to refund God and country and save this planet and indeed refund yourselves if you shop at your own store and have your friends and family shop there. And by the time I got done talking, we maybe had a thousand people in the audience. I had 1,100 store owners signed up. We closed more than 100% of the audience. That is how ready America and the patriots and the people who give a darn about freedom are for an alternative to the Walmarts and the Amazons and the big box stores. So with that said, um, normally there's a one-time fee to buy your store because, you know, millions of dollars at our end went into creating this company. We do all the shipping. We do all the receipts. We do everything. All you have to do is tell people where to shop. We do everything else for you. So it's usually like, I forget, it's like seven dollars $800 to buy your store. But we decided to do a soft launch. And for the people who have already fought the good fight, like you, Laura, like your your patriot, you know, folks who watch your your broadcast, the store is free. If you use the code I'm about to give you, if anybody's hearing this right now and they want to not pay $700 one time for their store, um, it is freedom. That's the word you will text. And you text the word freedom to 53445. So again, that number is five three, four, four, five. And if you simply, you know, pull up your phone right now, tap out a text to five, three, four, four, five. And once you get your, your text field there, just write the word freedom in there and hit send. You will get a link back. And if you click that link, you will be able to sign up to have your store. Um, and you won't be charged that one-time fee. You'll just have your monthly processing fee of 50 some odd dollars because we're doing all the work for you, obviously. But that should be a wash. If you're remotely even buying your own stuff at your store, you should be net positive at the end of the month. And um, we're launching literally this month. Like I want to say at the end of February here, I'm not sure the exact day. Um, and I encourage anybody who might have an interest to text the word freedom to 53445 or if you don't want to have your own store, shop at Laura Lynn's store because I'm darn sure she's probably going to have one or one of your other favorite Signing influencers right will now. have one. <laughs> awesome. You go, girl. And that way you can help save your country and indeed the world by, you know, like I said, shopping and using your dollars wisely because we are at war and wars require a war chest and we yes. need to start putting the dollars in our war chest. Yes. And it does strike me that there may be a problem uh, that you're probably really set up in the U.S., but we need to collaborate to make sure that this is uh, available in Canada, too. And I think that that yes. could be um, an obstacle that might need to be overcome. Um, it so. is. And what I what I would say right now, because we're launching in the U.S. first, obviously, on anything that's a heavy lift like this, you, you know, take one bite to it, take the next. So we're launching in the U.S. first and our shipping right now is all U.S. centric. Um, but our next obvious, you know, bite to chew, as it were, um, is taking on neighboring uh, allied countries and getting everybody who gives a darn in Europe and Canada and whatnot, North America a chance to do what America is doing. If you're in Canada and you want to be part of this, but you know, you're not, you know, we're not set up to necessarily do Canada yet. Just email me 
um, I'll give my email out now and say, hey, I'm Canadian. All my friends and family are Canadian. But as soon as you launch in Canada, let me know. I'll sign up and I will keep you on a separate list of, you know, for our next rollout in our in our favorite country to the north. My email, by the way, is Lee. It's my first name, L-E-I-G-H dot E-S-Q at gmail dot com. So it's my first name, a period. And the first syllable of the word Esquire, which is short for lawyer, uh, at gmail.com, L-E-I-G-H dot E-S-Q at gmail.com. And just say, hey, I'm Canadian. I want to be part of Noblest. Keep me on your list. And we will make sure we get in touch once we're uh, launched in Canada. That is fantastic. Well, you're, I have lots of uh, U.S. Um, followers, so you'll, you'll get some people signed up right away for that. Um, I love awesome. it. Um, any, anything we can do to try to facilitate or... Um, help you. We've got some good lawyers up here and stuff too that, you know, to work out the process, we'll do it. Uh, Lee Dundas, you're Great. amazing and so courageous and a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, you just really give it and you are so fearless and that is inspiring. And so uh, uh, let's do uh, this again uh, sooner than later. Yes. And uh, you're down in California, are you? No. I am, but I travel, I travel a lot like you do. So, yeah. um, yeah, you never know but yeah, I, I live here. I live here and I can't wait to uh, come on your show again because, okay. uh, good, good people doing good work, get stuff done. So <laughs> it really does. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lee, uh, God bless you in your journey and thanks for fighting for all of us. We appreciate it. Ditto. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Oh, isn't she amazing? I knew you'd like her, guys. We have a huge ball, a huge bunch uh, on uh, Rumble right now. So we see you out there on Rumble. Thank you very much. Hey, would y'all consider supporting the uh, war chest of uh, what we do here? Appreciate it. If you could go to laurelin.tv, there's a donation button. Um, if there's anything, you know, if you like what you're getting here, you know you're not going to see this on the mainstream media, CBC, CTV, Global, CNN, none of them. Not even Fox News is going to be airing the content you saw here today. Um, if you would, uh, if you would like to support us to do it, because actually we've given up everything else. Well, the truth is, I'm unhirable. I mean, let's just put that right out there. Not even Walmart will hire me. They will look at my social media, and they'll go, "Yeah, no, we can't have someone like her. She's a liability." And so I won't, I won't be able to get a job. Uh, I have tried at different times, uh, not for a while because it was too disappointing to never be called back and not to be considered worthy of a job at their esteemed place. Uh, even uh, Christian organizations find me, <clears throat> find me a, you know, uh, that I, I would be problematic to have a position at their, their work. So if you're able to go to laurelin.tv, there's a donation. You can make a one-time payment. Uh, you could do uh, a monthly if you wanted to not even think about it, but you, you think that I'm worth, you know, hey, five cups of coffee. Am I worth that per month, you know, where you'll just kind of maybe $20, $25 a month or $50, $100, that would be wonderful. Um, something to help us to just keep going, that would be terrific. You can also e-transfer at laurelinlive at protonmail.com. Laurelinlive at gmail also works.com. We appreciate you. It means the world because this is the only way that this gets done. So uh, I'm not funded by Soros. And um, sometimes I wish that, well, you know, I liked Lee talking about some of those that we have our own billionaires uh, out there. Well, this is what we need. I don't know why Soros, he decided he was going to invest all his money in evil. 
and causing chaos across the planet. So if some good people uh, that can afford it can help us, uh, some of us are really struggling right now. I know that this has got to be hard. I mean, I'm watching my cremo go up every single month and eggs and milk. And, you know, some people have families. Some people have lost their jobs this last couple of years because they were standing up for what was right. And this is a tough time. So uh, we stand with you. We support you. And we know that God always has a better plan. And he is a God of all provision. If you would like to invest in gold and silver right now because you're not trusting what's going on in the banks, uh, quite a bit of information coming out. I just heard a story actually this morning of something happening in U.S. banks where money is being withheld. And, uh, you know, it's just hard to deal with the banks. They're not just oh, yeah, you got $100,000 in, in your bank account or whatever. No, you no, you can't have it for like six months. You know, you have to have it in increments or whatever. Something's going on. Something's going on. So silver and gold, you can go to Steve Merrill. That's who we trust in Canada. And he can get silver and gold to you anywhere that you are. So if uh, that's of interest to you, go with that. I just want to leave you today with um, some some words of wisdom from the holy book the book that guides us this amazing book um, that helps us not to go astray there is only one way that man can be saved and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ there is only one way to heaven all roads do not lead to heaven otherwise the well this is all wrong because this say, says unless you believe in Jesus being the Son of God and that you would receive him as your Savior then you're not making it to heaven so if this book is wrong then I've probably banked on the wrong thing what I'm pretty confident about though is uh, let's say I'm wrong okay I banked on the Bible and it's not him well if if the tr if the truth is that it's uh, you know that all roads lead to eternity uh, eternal bliss okay Islam Sikh Sikhs, the Sikhs got it, the Buddhists are all in, the crystal people are all in, uh, all the healers are in. You know, if that's, if we're all in because we're all going to the same place and everything's going to work out and eternal life is uh, sorted, then I'm good. I guess I'm good. But what is the truth? If the truth is what Jesus said, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That's true. Everything else is a counterfeit and a deception and a lie. And we are instructed to have no part of it. And so that's why I banked everything I am on this good book, on the good book of who Jesus Christ is. So Hebrews 5, verse 11. Can I read that to you? We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. This is about those who are falling away. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see, there's a, a real deception out there that everything's okay. That uh, 
You don't have to live a righteous and a, a pure and a holy life before God, or at least attempt. Forgiveness is always there for the failures. We do know that. <laughs> Praise be to the Lord God that we fail and God forgives. But when you are walking in error and you do not understand that there is good and evil and you are to walk on the side of good. And, and the word says narrow is the way that goes to heaven and broad is the way to destruction. That's a very wide path to destruction. Oh, we need to be loving. We need to be, you see, I'm not loving if I believe that you're going to hell because you have not walked in the way, the narrow way. That's not loving of me not to communicate it to you. Now you are free and so am I, by the way, to believe what you want. But if the truth is that Jesus is the only way, first of all, we need to walk in it. Second of all, if I believe that and I fail to communicate that, that is not loving. That is allowing deception to persist. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back tomorrow. See you then. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.